0: Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Matters, your go-to source for the latest industry news and insights. We bring you up-to-date information on the real estate market and discuss the latest trends, technologies, and strategies to help you make informed decisions. And now we invite you to join us as we explore the exciting world of commercial real estate. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Commercial Real Estate Matters. I'm your host, John Powell, with Phoenix Commercial Properties based in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I'm honored to have a colleague from our office join me today. Thomas Goodwin is a senior vice president at Phoenix Commercial. He's a native of Raleigh, North Carolina, and a proud graduate of NC State University. Thomas is highly respected throughout the Triangle region for his ability to craft strategic solutions for his clients and he currently serves on the board of directors for the Triangle Commercial Association of Realtors. Thomas, I'm excited about our conversation today with our guest, and I'll actually let you make that introduction for our audience.
1: Thanks, John. Today we are very excited to host Mike Salmon, who is a principal and financial advisor with Moisen Fitzgerald Tamayo, a financial planning and wealth management firm based in Orlando, Florida. Mike is a certified financial planner professional who has been with the firm since 2007? His expertise lies in the areas of retirement and tax planning for small business owners, specifically commercial real estate brokers. He is also an enrolled agent, the highest credential the Internal Revenue Service awards. Mike is the current chairman of Financial Planning Association of Central Florida. Mike was recently recognized by Orlando Business Journal as a 40 Under 40 honoree, and previously by Financial Advisor. Magazine as a 2018 10 Younger Advisors to Watch. Mike earned his Bachelor of Science degree in Financial Counseling and Planning from Purdue University. He and his wife, Tiffany, have been happily married for 11 years and are proud parents of their four young children. Mike, thanks for joining us today on Commercial Real Estate Matters.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm excited.
1: We really look forward to the dialogue. Let's jump right in. Mike, we'd love for you to share with our audience a little bit about your background and how you got into the financial planning sector, and more specifically, why you chose to specialize in advising commercial real estate practitioners.
2: Sure. Well, going way back, I always had an interest in personal finance and investing. So that kind of led me to this industry and becoming a financial advisor. More specifically, working with commercial real estate brokers, I think probably like anyone with a niche, you kind of stumble into it over time. There wasn't anything necessarily intentional at the beginning, but we being a financial planning and wealth management firm have a lot of different types of clients that hire us. And probably, I think it was 2009 or 10, our Uh, tenant rep brokers at CBRE through the relationship we'd built with them doing our lease negotiations a couple of times, decided they were in the market for a new financial advisor and and they chose us. And we determined at that moment that our skill set and expertise helping small business owners was just the perfect match for a commercial real estate broker that typically has the option of becoming a 1099 paid independent contractor. So we learned the business from them. And over time, were referred to some other of their colleagues in their local office. And it kind of went from there pretty slowly the first seven or eight years until we realized we probably have something here. Let's try to be more intentional about it. And then in person networking, trying to make more connections with different brokerage firms, that all began. And the pandemic put a halt to that. Everything was in person. And at that moment, I realized I've had enough of these conversations with brokers over the years. Why don't I just put everything out on LinkedIn? So I dusted off my LinkedIn account and I am still amazed at what's happened over the last few years from growing a linkedin audience i guess if you've got the right message and a targeted audience linkedin can be pretty powerful
0: i think that's actually how we met mike was you just saw him on linkedin
1: that that is exactly right john very powerful platform and we'll we'll touch more on that a little later on in the dialogue we all know the commercial real estate industry can be extremely taxing and volatile to a commercial broker share with our audience some of the biggest financial challenges challenges that you see commercial brokers face? Yeah,
2: I, I think that there's a general theme, but the stress or importance on different aspects of it change as you progress through your career. At the very beginning, it's just trying to build some traction or momentum. It's difficult to be in a 100% commission environment, yes. especially early In a career, you've got bills to pay. Uh, Hopefully, life isn't too complicated at that point, but 100% commission, you will kill environment, kind of steals your attention for quite a while until you hit your stride. You feel like you've got some level of consistency and expectations, and then you begin to wonder if you're doing everything the right way. You've heard bits and pieces of how others are doing it you begin to wonder what you should consider and implement at that point. So usually the first three years or so is just trying to get a foothold in the business. exactly. And it beyond that, that's when you begin to wonder what you should be doing. And that's oftentimes when we have first introductions and connections with brokers it is at that moment, they've either either come off of being a W-2 employee, trying to learn the profession, and now they're an independent contractor, 1099 income, 100% commission, or maybe they've been that all along, but had a draw and they're coming off of it. And now it's all on them and being organized is extremely important. So I stress that the more organized you can be, the better. The best way of staying organized is recognizing that you're a business. You're a small business owner and everything related to your commission income and business expenses should happen in a separate bank account. Nothing personal should come out of it. Of course, you need money for personal expenses. and You can transfer cash from the quote unquote business account into your personal, but keep it all separate. That helps you remember that you are a separately run business. It helps keep things organized for tax season when you're trying to track down numbers. It's just a better way of doing things. And in the 100% commission world where you're in charge of your destiny, and how much success you're going to have and what your income potential is, you need to limit distractions. And being a mess financially is a serious distraction. It usually leads to stress, and stress is a distraction. So anything that's taken away from your focus on your business, your clients, and your pipeline is going to have a negative impact on whether you make it in the industry and how successful you become. So the sooner you can get a handle on those things, the better. Taxes are always a pain point and that's a focus. Certainly. Are there ways to lower your taxes? Yeah, there are around the margins. There's no complete magic bullet to that. You're not going to make them disappear, but it it's less about how much tax you're paying and more about understanding what to expect surprises come April filing your tax return and how much you owe are not good in the world of a hundred percent commission income. Your next commission might not be till July and learning that you owe 40,000 in April, you could have known that eight months ago and planned for it. If you were getting more proactive
1: help. Excellent feedback. I, I think you nailed it on the head there. I mean, John and I have lived this and you speak the truth there.
0: <laughs> you do.
1: And you kind of touched on this with your comments, but kind of jumping into an advisory role that is a 100% commission-based can be extremely challenging for a, a very green broker like you mentioned. Are there any specific tips or recommendations you can offer to new brokers just getting their feet wet in the industry?
2: Kind of its most basic level is just understanding your living expenses and having control over that. Usually if you're starting out in the industry, you're probably not married. You don't have kids, so your bills should be pretty low. And if you can keep them low for as long as possible, that will help kind of put away some of the stress of producing very quickly because you need it to live off of. Of course, everyone wants success overnight, but it's not realistic and more pressure you put on yourself you might try to cut corners or just kind of be overcome by the stress and decide to take on a different job entirely. So having control over or better understanding of what you're spending and what your living expenses are, having roommates living at home with your parents, I've, I've seen everything as a way to minimize expenses. And for most brokers, it, I see it translate later in life as well. Everyone is always on edge, starting the year over at zero. And for a lot of brokers, that helps keep lifestyle in check and until maybe you hit some level of consistency. You build a team and you've, you've got a pipeline and, and you know what your lifestyle might be at that point. But at the very beginning, it's just keeping expenses low, staying organized, and just trying to learn and get opportunity.
1: Can you share with us a success story of of a new broker just in an industry that you've worked with and who's been able to implement these kind of financial guidelines that you've discussed?
2: Yeah, I think of a lot of them. They so one general recommendation I have is in most states, in most situations, it's a better environment to receive income as an S corporation. So forming your own business entity, electing S corp tax status will probably lead to lower taxes and you hanging on to more of what you've earned. That recommendation I usually make as... Someone's approaching a hundred thousand in commission income. I use that amount and I use the word approaching for a couple reasons. The, the first is that an S Corp is a business. There's a cost to operate in a business and your tax savings need to overcome the, the costs for you to come out ahead. And that's where the hundred thousand mark comes in to play. The other Aspect of that is approaching. I use that term because income can take off pretty quickly in this profession. You might have a goal of making $75,000 this year, and you get to the end of the year and you made Mm $150,000. And had you gotten yourself set up the right way from day one, you would have been set up to capture the tax savings on the higher income than you were expecting. And that would have saved you more than the cost of putting the whole thing into place. So your income can take off quickly. And knowing that might suggest that you get things set up the right way sooner in your career than most. And it can, it just depends on what line of business you're in, what asset class you focus on, what your team dynamics are. I've seen situations where maybe a retail broker, early in the career, working with the national tenant has the opportunity to refer to the industrial team for a big warehouse deal and doubles her income that year because of that referral fee. All of these situations are unknown at the beginning of the year. The year always takes time to develop and there's always uncertainty of anything really happening. But if you can get yourself set up the right way sooner, be organized. Once again, you'll be in a position to take advantage of whatever opportunities come your way.
1: Excellent feedback there. Mike, you work with brokers and firms all over the U.S. What are the most common financial mistakes you've seen when working with brokers and real estate firms across the country?
2: The most common I've already alluded to it is just not being organized and playing catch up constantly so that is a distraction the other most common mistake i see is not having a good enough understanding what your tax liability might be this year based on your income expectations and setting aside enough of your cash flow to make the tax payments it's easy to dig yourself into a hole With your income the way it is, 100% commission, it's erratic, it can show up infrequently, and oftentimes you're playing catch-up on your other bills and things you've put off because the money wasn't there to do it. And you have a much higher set of responsibilities as an independent contractor. You receive 100% of your income. There's no tax withholding. You probably need to set aside a certain percentage of that into a separate bank account and not touch it. And I generally recommend early in your career to, depends on what state you're in, of course. Every state has its own tax uh, structure. But 25 to 30% is probably a, a good starting point to try to ignore in that bank account so you're not spending through what should go to taxes, and then it happens often, unfortunately. You just play catch-up, and you've spent through everything you should have set aside for taxes, and now here we are, it's April. You get the news from your CPA that you owe $28,000, and you hadn't set any of it aside, and your next commission isn't for a while, you don't have the money to pay it. So now you're starting the next year in a hole and you're, you're digging yourself out constantly. And again, it just, it's stressful. It's a distraction. It's going to interfere with your income potential. And there's a better way to do things. I, I know it's not a bulletproof method. It's still money in your bank account and you can use it however you want to, but just knowing what you're doing is is very important. And the effects of every decision that you have to make is
0: important. Mike, I love that whole analogy that you're using in terms of being of distractions. And, and we are constantly distracted just with life. But, but as you mentioned, this creates stress. And stress can impact not only our health, but sometimes stress impacts the decisions that we make and or how we make them. And so I love how you're encouraging us to, A, to get organized and to certainly try to eliminate the negative impact that this can have on us, both financially, but probably just as importantly from a mental standpoint.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I've I've said it often that brokerage firms are very good at training their brokers on how to produce, and they kind of stop at that point and leave it up to everyone on their own to figure out what you do with your money and there there's so much commonality within the profession and what people should be doing that brokerage firms probably could take a bigger step across that line of getting into personal financial suggestions and at least share resources or encourage the teams and individuals to to talk to each other more about what to do because the bigger the mess Financially for the broker, that affects the brokerage firm as well. Yes. It, it's, it's stress, it's personal financial stress. It's not being organized. It can lead to lower production. It can lead to making decisions that maybe aren't the best for your clients because you need that commission next month. And it, it's just a, it's a vicious cycle, unfortunately, sometimes.
0: Well, and Mike, again, I'm so glad that we're having this discussion today. When Thomas even mentioned his and your that y'all had met and had been talking, I was so appreciative of it because, you know, we, we care about our advisors at Phoenix Commercial. their family, and we think that this is something that we can be proactive about, but certainly other firms around the globe that may hear this podcast could be proactive as well. So I think this message is important and certainly needs to be heard.
1: Mike, can you discuss any trends or patterns that you've seen in your world emerge over the last few years? And how can brokers navigate those trends successfully?
2: Probably the biggest trend I've seen over the last five years in the brokerage industry is more of the big brokerage firms pushing brokers to the 1099 Compensation model, yes. Becoming independent contractors. Yes. A lot of the biggest names traditionally started you W two, which is good. It gives you some income in the early years while you're learning the business. But they never kind of graduated them into a 1099 paid independent contractor, and that's ultimately where we want everyone to be. That really helps you acknowledge that you are your own business. You're building a business. For some, it's more obvious than others. If you're building out a team, you've got people working underneath you, it's really obvious that you built a business. For others early in ca- their career, not so much. You're, you're playing a role on a team or, or maybe you're trying to do something more on your own. But it's it's understanding All of the complexities that come along with being an independent contractor, all of the responsibilities that are now shifted to you as the business owner, as the employer and the employee, that's been the general theme in the industry is transitioning that risk and responsibility over to the broker. So there's that aspect of it. Kind of along with that is recognizing that If you are a 1099 paid independent contractor in most states, it's probably best if you form an official business entity, usually an LLC and elect S corporation tax status. Mm -hmm. That is typically the best environment to receive income, gives you the most control over a number of different variables that impact your bottom line taxes. It's complicated though. Every state has different regulations on your real estate license and how do you use that and have commission and paid to an entity. And many of the brokerage firms don't understand those rules in every state. So there's a lot of misinformation out there about what you should be doing. Some brokerage firms, the biggest, do have a, a big compliance department They generally know the rules in every state, but anyone that's smaller and doesn't have the capacity to understand what's going on in every state that they're operating in usually doesn't know. So again, more responsibility put on to the broker to make sure that you're complying with real estate license regulations in your state. So nothing's getting more simple.
1: It's always more complicated. Right. Great feedback. We've touched on tactics for new brokers just getting their feet wet in the industry. Talk about key financial processes that established brokers can implement to maximize savings and minimize their risk.
2: When you're more established, that suggests you're further into your career, you're making higher income. You're, maybe you have some idea of what retirement might look like and how far away it is. So I believe it's a best practice to kind of work backwards in your planning. It's never going to be precise. It's never perfectly accurate. Life is always changing. Your goals are always changing. But a a good way to structure yourself in into budget actually is to work backwards and figure out what your goals are in the future, figure out how to quantify what that means from a net worth standpoint and what's required for you to accumulate, to live off of for your desired retirement lifestyle. And then you can back into what you need to save every year to increase your odds of reaching those goals and milestones. And if you can figure out what you need to save each year, start with that. So here's your commission income. Here's your tax liability and here's your savings goal. Everything else is there to do whatever you want with. I don't, I'm not a huge proponent of having a very detailed budget. I think that can lead to frustration and disappointment too often. It's usually overly complicated. Life is generally not a perfectly consistent monthly budget. So if you can tell yourself that you're saving enough money to likely reach your longer-term goals, then anything else that's in the checking account is fair game to just enjoy. Right.
1: So it's it's the paying-yourself-first model. Right. That makes complete sense. How important would you say the role of tax planning is for commercial brokers?
2: It's extremely important. The, the tax planning, it's all encompassing it. It's not just being more proactive about putting a plan together. How can I lower my taxes? If at all, it's more about setting proper expectations and knowing or having an approximation of what your tax liability is this year when are the payments due so that you can have better odds of experiencing better cash flow management. One of the side benefits of using the S-Corp structure is that it generally eliminates the need for you to make quarterly estimated tax payments. And that's because the S-Corp One of its requirements is that you pay yourself W-2 wages and that means generating a paycheck, official paycheck, but it doesn't have to be a frequent process. You don't need to pay yourself twice a month or even quarterly. We generally recommend that you run payroll one time per year at the very end of the year. And what you pay yourself does correlate to what commission income is received by the S-Corp so by the end of the year, you've got a pretty good idea of what your income is. So you're paying yourself the right amount. But what happens when you run one payroll and it's a pretty big number, you've got plenty of room within that amount to make your tax payments for the year. And we're taking advantage of the difference in how the IRS views tax withholding through wages versus quarterly estimated tax payments. Those quarterly payments have a due date. They have a timestamp to it. Tax withholding through wages are assumed that it was paid equally throughout the year. So you run payroll one time in December. The IRS assumes that that tax payment you made in December was actually made equally monthly. So one twelfth of it was paid every single month. And understanding how that works puts you in a better position to manage cash flow and to hang on to your cash for longer. You don't need to make that April and June and September payment back and load all of this into one process at the very end of the year. And that also cuts down on administrative tasks and due dates, more dates and things for you to manage throughout the year again, or just another distraction. So if you can minimize those into a very simple process, that you have to do fewer times, then you've got more time to focus on your business and trying to make more money.
1: It appears I have some clean cleaning up to do, John.
0: I'm sitting here thinking about the same thing, and for even other colleagues at Phoenix Commercial, this is tremendous advice.
1: Mike, can you discuss the importance of tracking financial metrics throughout the year and staying on top of changes in the market?
2: Yeah, a lot of it has to do with just cash flow management, but also goals. So they're all kind of interconnected. Understanding your tax and cash flow situation is important. The timing of commission income, your pipeline, when certain bills are due, when you've got tax payments. Uh, A retirement plan should be part of your long-term savings strategy. You're a business owner. You can have a 401k. There's due dates to all of these contributions and tax payments and other things going on in your life. So the, the better handle you have on all that, the more success you'll have. The As far as keeping track of metrics, I can see different ways to, to look at that and to approach it. There's probably specific metrics within the industry and, within your brokerage firm or whatever your specialization is, certain expectations that you should be aware of certain milestones of production and and when that should be happening so that you can track that. But also personally, how you're setting aside money for your future is extremely important. And we get the question often, how much should I be setting aside for my future? And we can, generally quantify it if you have a specific goal in mind and a timeline we can back into what you need to do but for too many folks especially early in your career that's just too far away can't if you're 27 it's hard to really have a grasp of what life looks like when you're 60 and it's it's time to retire so the way i generally answer that kind of a question is that you should always have the mindset of saving more this year than you did last year And as long as you're progressing on that track, you've got that momentum, then you're going to continue to build. And my thought process around that is if you did have a goal in mind and we quantified what it would take to achieve that goal and your ability to set aside that amount of money this year is nowhere even close to what you need, it's discouraging to hear that and to understand it. So the better mindset is just to improve 1% of the time, just do a little bit better than last year. And eventually you'll get yourself into the position to save enough to actually reach your goals, but you don't need discouragement. You just need progress and momentum.
1: That's excellent feedback, Mike discuss with the guests who your ideal client is at Moisen Fitzgerald Tamaya. If you have a, an ideal target commercial broker that you guys look for help our audience understand that.
2: Yeah. We're here to help anyone that wants our help and the, the recognition of how much help you need and, and that you should pay someone else to do these things. I, I think it it's very relatable in your profession as well. You have clients and I I'm confident that you believe that your clients are better off and their real estate matters than the fee that they pay you for your support. And we're kind of in the same position. We want to work with brokers that realize they're running their own business. Their time is extremely valuable. They would rather be the CEO of their business and personal finances and not the CFO. They don't want to learn all of the strategy, the latest things, figure out taxes, what I should be doing, how I should be saving and accumulating, all of these things. They just want someone to translate that for them, shorten their learning curve, put them in the position just to be CEO and decision maker, but not the one putting the strategy together, implementing it, monitoring it, managing it. Your time is too valuable. I'm confident that. The time that will save you, and the confidence you'll have knowing everything is being effectively managed, will give you more time to hopefully increase your income potential. I can't quantify that, but I just I feel that's got to be true. If you've got this much more time because a team of professionals are helping you with it, you're more organized, then you probably have more capacity to to squeeze out one more deal this year. And the income potential in that one more deal is probably multiples of what you're going
1: to pay your team for support. Yeah, we need to be spending our time closing deals and let the financials advisors focus on the financial piece.
0: Uh, well said. I love that.
1: Mike, you have a very active presence on LinkedIn, as we discussed early on in the conversation, and that's actually how we got connected. Discuss how that platform has impacted your business And allowed you to share financial advice with a wider audience it's been dramatic it changed
2: the potential market for us we've been doing this for years working with brokers locally in central florida and Mm -hmm. the time it takes to in-person network and build relationships locally compared to Having a good message and a targeted audience on LinkedIn and expanding the geographic reach, its it's been dramatically different. I, five years ago, I never would have expected we'd have more clients outside of Florida than within Florida working in this niche because everything was just in person. I thought that was the only way to do it. The pandemic changed that for us. And I think a lot of folks, even in your industry, I see a lot more specialization and broader reach out there on LinkedIn and probably other platforms as well but as long as you're you're in it for the long haul as i have been it it takes time to grow an audience if you have fun doing it if you have something to say that's worth something to someone and you're just consistent eventually you'll get noticed and And people will reach out and word spreads. Your industry is the same. It's a very relationship based referral nature to it. So, the more that you can be looked at as a resource that in the industry or whatever specialization you have, the more opportunities you're going to create from it.
0: I love the fact that something, the pandemic was tough on all of us in so many aspects. But I love the fact that hearing your story, Mike, on how you took a challenge and really created opportunity out of it. And again, the impact that it's having on you and your life and certainly that of your colleagues is, is wonderful news and certainly is encouragement for all of us.
1: Mike, as we come to a close today, what would you say are your three big rocks that brokers can implement to help keep money in their pockets.
2: Yes, it's sort of a summary of everything we talked about already. First is the mindset, recognizing that you are your own business and you need to think and operate that way. It's easiest to do that and set yourself up that way if you're 1099 paid independent contractor. It's a little bit harder if you're W-2 and you're really an employee the brokerage firm but when you're an independent contractor you can have a mindset shift i I think Mm -hmm. you think like a business you're going to make different decisions you're going to operate differently and that leads to longer term success the the next rock would be organization and that's so key it just simplifies your life it de-stresses you as well Helps you set better expectations, better process. If you set yourself up as an S-corp, that's one of the unintended benefits of the S-corp structure is the forced organization. You need to have a separate bank account. You need to have separate accounting, a separate tax return. It's forced on you there, but you can implement that strategy even without being an S-corp. And then finally, just proper planning, having better expectations, not being reactive to things. You should have a game plan. Too many brokers rely on a CPA who's primarily just a scorekeeper looking at last year's numbers. And the relationship is seems very transactional. There's a time of the year where you're engaged and and then you don't hear from them for another year. Mm -hmm. And the the advice, the plan, the payment structure, they set you on for this year is based on last year's numbers. Mm -hmm. They're not asking you what you think you're gonna make this year. They're not checking in with you throughout the year to make updates to your plan. So you're usually flying blind in most of those relationships, and there's a better way. You should ask for more attention and more proactive planning.
1: Thank you so much for the insight today, Mike. How best can our audience get in contact with you if they would like to learn more about your services or your firm?
2: Yeah, best way. I'm on LinkedIn. So search Mike Salmon on LinkedIn and you should find me there. Our financial planning and wealth management firm, we've got our own website. But we, we run a separate one specific for brokers, and it's 4, for forcre CREBrokers.com. And that is a place for more resources and opportunity to connect with us as well.
0: Mike, this has been so informative, Thomas. What a fantastic opportunity to learn and to spend time together with someone who truly is out of market. And Mike, we really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to spend a few minutes with us on Commercial Real Estate Matters. We would love to host you and your family. If you are cruising through the area, coming through Raleigh anytime soon, please make sure you stop by and see us.
2: Yeah, I'll do that. Appreciate the opportunity. I love talking about this stuff. So anyone willing to listen, I'll be there.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Listen, have a great week, Mike. Thanks again.
1: Thanks, Mike. Thanks, guys.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Commercial Real Estate Matters. We hope you've enjoyed learning about the latest trends and news in the industry. As always, we welcome your feedback and suggestions. Please consider following us on social media or subscribing to this podcast to stay up to date on all the latest news. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to hearing from you.